This has been uh, a, a mixed bag of a weekend. Um, this weekend kind of wraps up what is generally called Holy Week, and I don't know how familiar you might be with different days that are represented during Holy Week, but of course it ends with, with Easter Sunday. We remember a couple of key moments that we see laid out before us in Scripture. When we look at the last couple of days of Christ's first earthly life, um, and there's a lot going on just even in that statement, but um, we look at him get betrayed. A Good Friday, if you, you may or may not have participated in some kind of Good Friday gathering, but Good Friday is this day where we set aside time and look that there was some betrayal that took place that got Jesus to the cross. And we then pause on Saturday in really silence, and we remember this idea that there was a point in time when Jesus was alive, he did die, he was buried, and people didn't necessarily know how that story was going to end. That was an actual reality. We're all here today because we're somewhat compelled by how the story end, ended, right? Um, but there was a moment the first time this weekend happened where, where there was some silence. And I think that it's really important to have some quiet time on a Saturday in order for Easter Sunday to be that much more special because that's why we're gathered here today is to remember that there is something that did actually take place in an actual place on this actual planet to an actual person, and some things actually happen, and they actually mean something, right? Because um, this is what we do believe, is that the story ends with Jesus being buried in a tomb, and then him leaving that tomb alive again. And there are some significant implications to that, and what we center around this whole idea is that because he defeated death, we can do the same, and in fact, we can have new life here on earth as well. We believe that the power of God raised Christ from the dead. We believe that that same exact power of God can raise up us up from death as well. We're not just talking about what happens after we die, right? This isn't necessarily a thought, a, a thought or an idea or a concept only about what some people call eternal life and people may or may not believe in that kind of stuff, right? Because it's a mixed bag of opinions. We believe that eternal life is a thing. We also believe that new life here on earth is a thing as well. And that's important. And that means something because we're all alive right now. <laughs> and it's important for us to focus in on the fact that New life is possible here on earth. And we're going to talk about some of those things in just a moment, but I want us all to kind of be reminded, some of you will be hearing this for the first time, and that's great. Uh, some of you will be hearing this for uh, perhaps the 50th time, but we do have some key core values here at Reachway Church, and these core values really zone in on what we believe a new life looks like in light of the empty tomb for us here on earth. And the first value that we hold to is that everyone matters. And this is what we mean by that is we believe a few things is that God created everyone. We do believe that. We believe that God created everyone and everything and 
He loves his creation with an equal and everlasting love. In fact, there is no one that is loved more or less on this planet. This is what we believe everyone matters means, is that his love is the same for all of his creation. Everything is his creation. And so we look to that and we say, we will do the same. So here at Reachway Church, when we're talking about new life, one of the things that we're talking about is that we firmly believe that everyone matters and we will relentlessly love everyone with an equal love. The second thing we believe about this idea of new life is that we are called to have an all-in attitude. We believe that all of us have been designed and created with good, beautiful things that can be offered up to others, where we can be a blessing to someone else. We believe that God has given us all gifts to, to do things to advance this message of love and forgiveness and peace and, and resurrection and new life. And so what we believe is that our new life looks like us going all in with what we have. We all have different stuff. Um, I could not have been up here with an instrument or a microphone, and I shouldn't have been. That's why I wasn't. <laughs> but they have stuff to give, and so they give it. And, and this looks like a myriad of different things. Something that we really focus on here with this idea of having an all-in attitude is that everyone was created with purpose. They're all loved equally by the God that created them, and he gave them things to do good things to do. So we believe that our new life looks like maybe I won't be as frugal with the things that I have. And I'm not just talking about money here. I know a lot of times you go to a church and it's just money, right? No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about time. I'm talking about a talent or a gift that you might have, or perhaps a resource that you've been given from someone else. It can be anything and it can all be purposed for good. So we believe that new life looks like having an all-in attitude, believing that everyone matters, and all the while having a spirit of resilience. Really easy to give up, right? We are kind of surrounded, perhaps you are, by cultures that say if you can't do it the first time or the second time, and if, if the third time wasn't it, then maybe just stop. But what we see when we learn more about God is that he doesn't give up. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't give up on his creation. He doesn't give up on cities and neighborhoods and families. And so what we believe is that we shouldn't give up either. And so this is what we mean by that, is that we are first and foremost not going to give up on ourselves. And I feel that it's easier to give up on ourselves than others, right? So what we actually say first is, hey, you matter. You should matter to you. Don't give up on yourself. Still believe that there is something for you. But then, of course, we will not give up on our family, our friends, our cities, our neighborhoods, the people that we interact with. So these are some three values that we elevate here at Reachway. This is what we mean by new life. Now, you can read between those lines, and you could probably find an example in the world around you, some kind of a headline or news bulletin or something you heard on the radio or read in the newspaper of not everyone mattering. 
And you've probably heard or read something or, or seen something of people being a little bit frugal and they shouldn't have been frugal because there's good that they could have done if they just gave more. And you've probably seen examples of people giving up in, on, on some level. That's an old life that we don't want. And so that's why we elevate these things and talk about these things is because we believe that new life in Christ means that these things are actual realities. Yeah, so we, we want to talk about those things. And, and from time to time, I'm going to kind of put my foot in my mouth here. From, from time to time, we talk about important things. We talk about those core, those core values, but we also talk about how actual specific examples of what new life means. And we don't take those things lightly here at Reachway. We talk about how when you leave this kind of a building or another faith community, a place where a faith community gathers, it could be a house, it could be a building like this, it could be a storefront, regardless of where the people gather, you end up scattering. And you end up going back out to your jobs and to your neighborhoods and to your places of employment and your family and friend circles. And we really do believe that it's not just a thing you do when you gather, but it's also something you do and believe in when you scatter as well. And so at Reachway, we talk about those actual real-life examples because we want this to be meaningful, right? So I actually want to let you know about what we're going to be talking about starting next week. Um, we're going to be talking about probably the two things that most of us probably really want to hold tightly and have the most control over, and that's time and money. And so next week, we're going to be starting a four-week series called Spending Habits, and we're going to be talking about time and money. It's your time. It's your money. Does it matter how you spend it? And spoiler alert, right? The answer is yes. Now, this is exactly why we're doing that is because we think that new life is not just something for us to have an experience and it's something that's internal. But we believe that if the tomb is empty, we believe that if we're going to believe in that and think that that's actually true, then it has got to matter when people see us from the outside. And it needs to look a little bit different. And so we're going to be talking about, man, how can we showcase this new life in Christ with how we spend our time and how we use our money. And so I would encourage you to come along with that journey as we kind of get closer to summer when it seems like we uh, maybe either have all the time in the world or maybe it's the opposite for your household or whether we have money to spend or maybe it's the opposite for your household. Uh, we're going to be talking about how that can be impacted by the love of Christ. But of course, today is Easter, and so I would like to talk for about 10 more minutes about this good news of a risen Christ. And I want to start by asking this question. How often do you feel stuck? Notice I'm not asking, when was the last time you were stuck? Because I think it happens a lot, right? How often does that happen, though? That's what I want to ask. And, and of course, when I talk about stuck, I'm I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, when was the last time you were in a big crowd of people and couldn't get through a door, or when was the last time uh, you were physically stuck. I'm not necessarily talking about that. What I'm also meaning is, when was the last time that you were annoyed? 
mentally stuck, right? When was the last time that you were perhaps sad or confused, emotionally stuck? When was the last time that you realized that there was a time in your life where you were really compelled by things of faith and conversations like this? Then you realize that you weren't so compelled by it anymore. Spiritually stuck? When was the last time you were anxious? And not so much of when was the last time, but how often are you? How often do you experience those kinds of emotions? Can I use a word this morning? How often do you feel buried? Can I use that word? Feaster Sunday? Why not? How often do you feel as though there's not a whole lot going on in your life? Or that you see there's opportunities where, where stuff could be going on, but it's not. And so perhaps you lose some hope or you don't want to love as much or forgive as much. And When was the last time you're, you feel buried, stuck in life? And how often does that happen? This is what I do a lot of times. I wish I didn't. When I feel stuck, as often as it happens, right? It's different for all of us, but what I generally do, and maybe you could relate to me, is that I try and take stuff into my own hands. I'm stuck. I'm going to get myself unstuck, right? Um, I am in this state of mind, and so I'm going to do what I can, what I know best to do in order to get me out of this frame of mind, out of this state of mind. And maybe you're like that as well, where you feel something and so you get defensive to your own self and you want to get yourself unstuck with your own power and the things that you want to do. That might be more common than the alternative, which would be allowing someone or something else to, to get us unstuck. I want to look at a passage of scripture real quick. And I was talking with the, the worship team before service, and I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd, and so I'm going to showcase that this morning, and maybe this will mean something, or maybe it won't. But on Good Friday, we talk about a guy named Peter and how he denies Christ. Peter was, was one of the ones who denies Christ, and, and that's a significant moment in this whole Easter weekend story. He's one who is asked, as a disciple of Jesus for three years, Jesus is arrested, and someone asks Peter, do you know that guy who just got arrested? And three times Peter says no, no, no. Peter, in that moment, was stuck. Peter, in that moment, was alive and breathing, and he could see and he could talk and hear, but he was buried because he knew that he didn't want to be associated with some of the gruesomeness and the betrayal that was going on in that moment with Christ. Christ is risen from the dead. He ascends into heaven. We know how that goes. And then Peter ends up writing a letter to a church. This is the same Peter that denies Christ. This is the same Peter that draws a sword during Christ's arrests and, and tries to attack instead of forgive and be peaceful. And it's one of Peter's letters that we actually get in 
our New Testament in the Bible. And this is what that same Peter has to say as he reflects on that whole whirlwind of a weekend. Uh, this is from the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. It's just one verse, verse 3. It's going to be on the screen behind me as well. This is what that Peter says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's that same exact Peter who days before the tomb was emptied was buried emotionally, spiritually, mentally, buried, stuck. And yet, as he reflects on what that empty tomb actually means, and Peter is not talking about eternal life. See that here. In fact, a lot of the earlier Christians, there wasn't a, as fully fledged of a concept of eternal life as, as we have now as we think we have now. What Peter is talking about is that because that tomb is empty, I, Peter, who was the one who denied Christ, can have new life here on earth. This is the good news, and this is why it's fun for us to read the words of Peter on Easter Sunday, is because it was three days ago that he would have told you that all of this wasn't true. Otherwise, he just would have claimed Christ as Savior. But the empty tomb meant something for Peter. The empty tomb means something for us today. And so I want this to be what we focus on this morning, is when we are talking about new life, when we are talking about a new life that Peter experiences, when we are talking about new life that I do believe that we can all experience here on earth because of the risen Christ, we want this to be focused on, is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes new life possible anytime, anywhere, for anyone. We believe that. We believe that this has direct and actual implications on your day today, on your life today. Anyone anywhere, anytime, new life can be possible. So I want to ask a couple of questions as we get ready to kind of wrap things up this morning. Easy peasy, right? How do you act when you feel stuck? Where do you turn? Do you turn to a person? Do you turn to a habit? Do you turn to a way of thinking? Or, or when you feel annoyed or confused? Do you vent? Do you share it with people that you shouldn't? Or do you perhaps just go to the person you're annoyed with? It's a family member. Is it a friend? I don't know. Is it a coworker? What are some of the old ways of thinking? What are some of the old patterns, the things that maybe have been the way that you've gone about things for a while. Maybe thinking that everything I've said is not true. I'll give you that card. I understand that there's people out there who think this is all a sham. I get it. I don't. Can I 
contend, can I present to you that maybe today could be a day where you could rethink something? Because here's the deal. There's only one empty tomb out there. (laughs) You know how many thousands of years people and families thought generation after generation after generation, thinking the same way, doing the same things, saying the same things, deciding the same things, but then all of a sudden, someone died and then rose again. Life has got to be different. There has got to be times to rethink some stuff. I would say that there's no better day than today to rethink. There's no better day than today to say, I have known one thing or maybe several things, man, I just thought this was the way to go. Man, I, I thought this was the way to think. I thought, I thought this was the way to behave. I thought this was the best possible way to do this. How often do you feel stuck? Can I tell you that there is a love, there is a forgiveness and a mercy and a God that can bring freedom to those moments of stuck, can bring freedom to those moments of confusion, that can bring freedom to those moments of anxiousness. I believe it to be true. And so maybe there's a decision for you to make today, and there's no pressure here, and no one's following up with you. I'd love to hear about it if you are, but If someone in here right now is thinking about something that you've got to switch around, maybe love so powerful can meet you in your life right now and say, I know you've been doing it that way for a while, but maybe there's a better way. I know you've been thinking this way for a while, but maybe there's a better way. I know you've been viewing that relationship, that situation this way, but maybe there is a better way, and maybe it can be shown to you by the one that has defeated death, by the one that has risen from the grave. And the one that offers you the same exact invitation is that your life here today can have newness to it, and that as stale as it might be, as old as it might be, that it can be new for you today. So, like we do Every single week here at Reachway, we be sure that we have moments of response. And we don't take these moments lightly because what we believe is that there's power in gathering together and that something special happens when we can gather together and step into some intentional moments of thinking and praying and learning and remembering. And we believe that if you can do that long enough and if you can enter into that rhythm long enough that you might actually have a thought worth thinking and following up with. (laughs) That there's actually something to this whole church thing, right? So we don't want to take these moments lightly. Whether you're used to this or whether you're not, we want to invite everyone into a moment of response. We believe that God's powerful enough to meet each and every one of us in our lives here today, knowing our situations, and loving us all the same. And one of the primary ways that we respond here at Reachway is by receiving communion together. And you may or may not be familiar with communion as a, uh, as a function or habit of the church, but 
We practice it here because we believe some really beautiful and special things about communion. Of course, here you might see we have some bread and we have some juice. And what Jesus does during kind of the end of his earthly life is he takes two ordinary things and he applies extraordinary meaning to them. He takes bread, something that was eaten every single day. And in his case, he took wine, something that was, was had daily, because that was just what it was about. But a couple of days before he would die, and then a couple more days before he would defeat death and, and be risen from the grave, he is sitting there with his disciples, and he takes bread, and he breaks it. And Jesus, in this moment, knows how the story is going to end, but he also knows what our lives are going to look like. The people who he was with then, and I really, really do believe as the creator of us, he had us in mind way back then. Knowing that we were going to be alive in a world, in a culture that rubbed against the life of Christ, that had tension against believing relentlessly that new life is actually possible. And so he takes two ordinary things, things that were accessible to the richest, to the poorest, things that were accessible to people on that side of the train tracks and that side of the train tracks, things that were accessible to people who lived up the hill and down the hill. And he says, the next time you take some bread and when you're gathered together, break it and remember my body, Jesus's body, that is broken for you. And you take the cup and remember my blood that was poured out and shed for you, making possible the new life that we celebrate today on this Easter Sunday. And so every single week, we respond with these elements. We take the bread and Today, we'll be just dipping it in the cup, and then you can eat it there, or you can bring it back to your seat and have some moments of, of quietness and prayer, but we believe some really special things about this moment of response when we can actually take time, pause, scale back the busy brain for a minute, and think about what could actually be going on in your life right now, and how God could actually be speaking to you right now. We do two primary things when we respond is we remember what he did for us and whether that's a couple thousand years ago on a cross or whether that's what he did for you yesterday, <laughs> last week, last month, 10 years ago. I don't know where your mind goes when you remember, but we remember. And then we also take some intentional and distinctive steps to realign our lives with where we feel like God might be leading them right now is perhaps making this decision over that one or choosing to start this habit or end another habit. I don't know where, I don't know where it lands today, but I believe there's something about God's love and his forgiveness and not just that leaving you to yourself, but the invitation he extends to us to be more like him and to walk in that confidence of love. So that's what this moment of response is all about. Every single person that comes to Reachway is invited to partake in this meal. Um, youngest to oldest, anyone. 
you could be here from out of town and you maybe have no intentions of being back because you live out of town, right? Um, this is a meal that you're invited to because at the very least, we're here together for this moment. And I want us to be able to take advantage of this moment. So in just a minute, um, actually, I would invite our, our music team to come back up. They're going to lead us in one final song. And, and as they do that, the words will be on the screen, but as they do that, you are all invited to, to come forward. And once you get here, I'll have a piece of bread for you and a cup that you can dip that piece of bread in. And we've talked about what it signifies and symbolizes. Um, and you're invited to eat that. Um, here and head back to your seat. You're invited to take the bread back to your seat and have just some moments of reflection. We all, we all respond differently, but what I would encourage you is whether it's a lyric of a song or something you need to, to pray or this actual moment of food and, and invoking those senses of taste as well. It's my prayer that, that you would remember and you would make a decision to realign whatever that looks like.